Do you know the difference between aesthetic movement and functional movement? Well, let's find out. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another Zook Nerds. Join Andresa, Fredi and I in this episode and let's discuss what is the difference between functional movement and aesthetic movement, how to use it and how to improve your social dancing. Estamos live no Facebook da vida. Boa tarde, boa noite, everybody. Welcome to our Zook Nerds session three. So welcome, everybody. Welcome back. Our third meeting. Yes, thanks for joining us today. We are starting with me, myself, and Andresa, while the, the Brazilian people joining us in a few minutes. <laughs> I mean, the, the real Brazilians on the clock, I think. Andres and myself are a little bit more Europeans in that sense. I don't know. We were in terms of time. But it's very early for Leo, so I'm, I'm not even sure that he can make it today. Wow. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Hello, Sydney. Hello, Dance. Hello, Michael. How's everybody doing in this beautiful, really, really, really hot summer? At least up here in the north. Once again, this is Alison, and I'm here in Washington, D.C., and then we have Andresa all the way in Finland, in Helsinki, all the way in the north. Is it as hot as in here? Here is 34 degrees. How, how hot is it there? Today it was around 25, but it's pretty hot here. Oh, for, for, for Helsinki, right? <laughs> yeah, but the sensation that you have with 25 in Helsinki... Right. Similar to like 30 degrees in Brazil, for example. I don't know why is that, but when it's around 25 here, it, it feels really hot. Is it um, humid or dry there? It's dry, thank God. Oh, dry. Here's yeah. humid. We have some days that it, it's a little bit more humid, but it's usually dry. That's a good thing, actually, I think. No, I prefer dry weather. I actually miss living in Melbourne or in Perth, Australia. Mostly because of the dry weather, really. Yeah. Here in, in Washington, D.C., super, super, super humid. Like, I'm sweating and I'm indoors with the AC on, and it's still really just, just humid. So today, we're yeah. going to be talking about a topic that Andresa brought to us, uh, and she has given us a, a brief explanation on how we want to talk about it. Um, so let's start with the topic, and maybe... Can we have Andres introducing this topic for us? Yeah, guys, today we're going to talk a little bit about the aesthetic versus the function of movement. And I have my glasses today, so if I make faces, please forgive me. <laughs> okay, now I have. <laughs> <laughs> Proper nerd, now. Nerds unite. <laughs> so, yeah, it's mainly because I think... Um, Right now in our community, in our uh, dance, we are still developing the sense of looking for the combination and the balance between the function of the movement. So how this movement will be executed, how is the best way to perform that movement, and also the aesthetic of the movement. So how to make that movement look good, look better, and be attractive in a way, for people who are looking from the outside. As Brazilian Zouk is a dance that came from the streets, uh, also together with Mambada, 
sometimes the aesthetic point of view was like overlooked a little bit for a while, but it's something that is important. But then when some people started to go in the other direction of only prioritizing the aesthetic for selling purposes, then we started to see some techniques and some ways of doing things that would not be safe and will not work for most bodies, you know, or for a big part of bodies that come to a dance class, for example. We had to have in mind that a lot of people who come to the dance class, they are not trained people. They are people who come to just have some hobbies, some activities to relax after a day of work in the office. So probably they won't be able to do something that trained dancers would be able to do easily. And sometimes they, if the function of the movement is overlooked in these senses, it becomes really unsafe. So the goal and the challenge is to find this balance between the function. So what's, what's the purpose of the movement? How that movement will work? How your body will better execute the movement? But it's still look really good while doing that so we can be attractive to people who come from the outside who had never seen Zook before and arrive on the dance floor and has something that is beautiful to look at because uh, whether if you want to accept it or not we live in a world that the first thing that caught our eyes is the visual so it's the aesthetic of something so this is our culture and uh, so we have to care for that as well, because if you bring a friend to a party and say, oh, let's come and see this really cool dance that I do. And the look of the dance is not attractive, is not something that is pleasant to see. Probably this person will not even be interested to know what Zuki is about. So we know how it feels. They don't because they are only looking. You know, so we really have to be really careful in finding this balance between the function the functionality, the technique, and the aesthetic. It's quite interesting for you to talk about this topic because, well, Zook has evolved through many different aesthetics, I should say. You know, what was 20 years ago, 15, 25, and now? I wouldn't even dare to say that every two years we see a shift, either because of music or because of other dance influences, um, or where the dance is mostly uh, exploding at the moment. Most lately has been a mix of US and Europe, but then for a long time it was mostly some parts of Europe, but not other parts of Europe. And I guess it all comes to play. But bringing back maybe 10 or 11 years ago in Australia, I was in a Congress in the Sydney Salsa Congress. Yeah, that was the name back then. And uh, I don't know if any of you know about this guy, but there's a guy called Super Mario. Super Mario is this guy from Salsa. And in a conversation that we were having, he was uh, telling us a story that when he was in Brazil, um, because he used to go to Brazil a lot for teaching Salsa, he saw Zuki and he was like, wow, what's this dance? I'm very intrigued by it. But his best description at the time, obviously he's a very funny guy, and he made a joke and he's like, it just looks like a drunk girl and this like ballet gay guy or something like that. <laughs> it's so weird to see coming from a salsa Cuban, very root kind of dance uh, that he has. 
And then he looked at Brazil and he sees like, why are those people either looking like they're like high contemporary dancers or kind of something, or these men looking like they want to be ballet dancers or something, you know? So that was definitely an aesthetic seen from somebody else who doesn't understand the dance. And this is exactly what the problem is. I normally say that Zouk is um, a very unfortunate dance in a way that it's very easy to look bad. Yes. You know, it's very, very easy to look bad. You can screw up in so many other dance styles and you're still kind of going to be, you know, straight, kind of reasonable posture. But Zouk, because there's so many shapes that you can create, yes. so many things can be off. Exactly. We cannot use the rule like fake it till you make it in Brazilians. And you can do in pretty much any other social dance. You can, because you're most of the time sitting up. And while in Brazilian zoo, it's a very early stage. After you got all the basic and the fundamentals, we already start uh, changing the shapes, as you said, of the body, of different axes. Uh, and then we start with this... Uh, weird look sometimes if we don't have really full control of, of our bodies and what we're doing if we don't have the understanding you know so this is like tricky and i already heard a lot of times this analogy with drunk people that people who it's looking at brazilians look from the outside saying that people look drunk or look high something like this you're getting yeah. some comments here it was yeah. apologizing but look i don't think super mario was looking at you it was more than like 13, 14 years ago, and he was looking at people in Brazil. <laughs> so, Cedas and Bachateiros still think Zuckers look like this. So, please let us know in the comments what have you heard uh, people say about Zucker? What were their first impressions? Or even better, what was your first impression of Zuck? And did that influence you in a positive way or in a negative way? I can tell you myself that my experience with Zuck was very very negative and i actually stayed away from zook for a few years well but that was my personal experience in my dance school we didn't have zook in the first two years that i was dancing it just wasn't something that we had available to us um, being from a small town in sao paulo but after a few years that i was learning all the other styles there was this dance teacher from the north he was actually from the northeast somewhere like Teara, pernambuco or something like that and he knew Zook. But let's just put it this way. His ego was bigger than the whole school. So when he was dancing Zook, he danced Zook in such a way that it was so egocentric that to me, I just couldn't connect with the dance. Honestly, that just put me off right away. I was a very fanatic for hard dancer and Cuban salsa dancer. So for me, it's all about the fun, the energy, the interaction, the music, the upbeat. And then this guy comes and he started dancing Zouk with everybody. And basically to me, it was a very egocentric way of dance. It wasn't about the connection or the interaction. It was very much about just how he looked or how impressive the movements were. And that to me really put me off. But then Renata and Leo saved all of that because one day I went to Sao Paulo in a salsa, tango, samba, zouk congress. It was kind of a mix. And I was attending some salsa workshops, but there was a gap. So I thought, oh, I'll go to the zouk place and, and have a look there. And then I did a workshop with Renata and Leo. 
And in that workshop that I saw connection, musicality, interaction, just equality on both dancing and a real feeling of zook. That for me is what I fell in love with. And from that day on, I was like, you know what? This is it. I'm going all the way into this because this is something that I truly love. Um, with me, your story. Yeah, and somebody with me was really similar. I started dancing Samba de Gafieira. Hmm. So Samba de Gafieira was my first love. And in the school that I started dancing, um, it was not a Renata. It was uh, a little bit before I was in, a, in another dance school. And there were zoo classes there. I took some zoo classes, of course, because I wanted to try everything. I was just studying out. But what I really did was samba because I thought the zook was really brega. I don't know how to spell it in English, maybe. Brega is braggy? And I was like, no, it's really, really brega. And I don't, I don't, but I'm, I'm cool. I don't want to do that. And then, <laughs> and Vanessa then, is too cool for zook, guys. Andres is just too cool for zook. Yeah. And then actually, Freddy used to cheat. To teach salsa in this dance studio that I started dancing. That's where we met. And Jorge used to, to teach for her there. But they both were already going to Renata. Freddie mm. was working with Renata already for a long time. He was working at her studio already for a long time. But he would freelance at this other studio teaching mm. salsa. <clears throat> and Jorge was pretty much the same thing. And they both said to me, no, if you go to Renata, you're going to see Zook and then you're going to love it. And then I was like, ah, okay. And then once they convinced me to go and I went, I went to a party first and with them both. And then I saw Leo and Renata. Actually, it was not Leo yet. It was Alex and Renata dancing. They <laughs> saw you bomb choreography. Oh, I love that. And when I saw her dancing, I said, okay, this is really beautiful. And then it changed my mind. But you see, I am a very aesthetic-oriented person. And then I, I had to have this attraction, this visual attraction first, mm -hmm. to be able to surrender to how it feels after. So I think in Zook, we are a bit more open-minded as a community than some other communities. We are more open to other influences from other dances and other styles and other backgrounds. And this is a very good thing. Please don't get me wrong, guys. I love that about our community as well. But we have to always have in mind that we want more and more people to come into the group, right? We want to grow our community. So we have to have in mind that most people will be attracted for what they see first. Mm -hmm. And only if they like what they see, they will allow themselves to try it out. So if they want to keep being open-minded and uh, attract all the type of people, not only people there are already open-minded like us and understand that they want to give it a try anyway and see how it feels and seek the connection. If we stop ourselves right there, the connection point, in the freedom and don't look to the aesthetic side, we are going to be kind of putting these people off as well, right? The same way as if we only worry about the aesthetic and the most important thing in the movement is to look good, we are going to be putting off people who are really seeking for freedom of movement, connection, comfort, and things like this, you know? So 
that's our challenge. Even as uh, creators, as professionals, are people who present the dance to other people, as people who develop and create technique. Uh, this is a challenge for us as well, because we are uh, at our studio, me and Freddie, when we are training, we have these two things in mind very clearly. We have to make it functional. We have to make it accessible for most people. We have to make as organic and as anatomically uh, comfortable as possible, but we have to make it look good. Cannot forget this other part as well. Now, I have a question that came into my mind. It might be throwing you under the fire. But as Zook was uh, being developed, and I'm asking you because you were in the epicenter in Rio while that happened. I arrived a little bit later. I'm not as old as Freddy. <laughs> so mean. That out. <laughs> I arrived later to the process. But yeah, I <laughs> But uh, how did you see when there was, which still there is, kind of a, uh, I wouldn't say a fight, but a disagreement on who has the best zook between Sao Paulo and Rio in terms of the look and the terms of, oh no, because we dance bigger and we're more stretch and more musical or we dance small and our footwork is more based on this and that, you know, in a, in a very constructive way here. But as a Rio person, then myself as a Sao Paulo person, but I'm still a Rio fan, you know, like, so I'm kind of on the Rio people's side. But from a Sao Paulo perspective, I, I can just say, oh, you know, people in Rio just dance too big and they're not, you know, whatever. What's your position as a Rio person when you look at that discussion? We face this even inside Rio. Because this inside is a, Rio. Yeah, this is a characteristic that came from Renata's line. And of course, Alex worked with Renata for a long time. And they both came from Jaime Dance School. So everything is related, right? But then they had a lot of solo dancing influences like jazz and ballet. So they have this characteristic of dancing really big and things like this. But other styles that were developing in Rio as well, you don't have this characteristic. So we used to hear that from people who would like to dance smaller and, and closer and things like this as well, even inside Rio. No, hmm. so, sometimes it would get to a party and people who were not from Renata would say like, ah, people from the Renata arrived. Now they're going to take the whole space. <laughs> of course, in a friendly way, you know, there was never like bad blood, but it was like. It's not it, like Zuckers against Kizomberos, right? No, no, no. <laughs> so we, had, we had this reputation even inside. So I think that's all related to like how the style developed. I think, um. The influences that we had in Rio and the Renata style or what we know today as a tradicional has a lot of influence from jazz and ballet. So we really like to use long arms and extend the legs and things like this. And I think in Sao Paulo, it was a lot like South oriented mm. as well. So I think this is the main difference. So, so Paulo had a lot of for horse and hawk and salsa. As well. And it, yeah. you can kind of see that in the Sao Paulo Zook. Yeah. You know, it, it's not so linear and stretched, but it's more round and compact. Yeah. And even the footwork is very tiny. It's very under the body. It's not like pointed, stretched and 
all of those things. Yeah, a lot more of arm work as well, like framework and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and you see flicks and you see lots of styling, yeah. lots of hands that nowadays you see kind of in both places, but for a while it wasn't everywhere. But yeah. um, as a Sao Paulo person who did, wasn't born and raised in Rio, whenever I went to Rio, I actually saw that almost as a um, business brand or identity, it was like, well, the people from Renata, they all must look a certain way. And then the people from Annex must look a certain way or whatever school. But more to identify as a brand, like I belong to this brand. So do you think that it was in some way intentional to look different? I think there is some intention behind everything. I think every time that we develop any type of art, we have some intention, right? Because mm-hmm. we want to put our identity in that. So I think people who are creating wanted to print out their identity. Yeah. And people who follow would follow the identity, the brand identity that they would identify better. Yeah. So I, I, I think that this plays a part, even if it's not conscious, it is a little bit uh, part of the process. And it, it even goes uh, together with uh, what uh, Jeremy was saying here, that like the aesthetic can have like different functions because sometimes you think that something aesthetically beautiful, but you don't want to do, you just want to watch. Or it can it looks beautiful to you because it looks like it feels amazing, as he was saying. I agree with that, but I usually think that it's still talking about like, most people, and I can't be wrong, this is just my reading, and this is one of the reasons that I think that the other dances attract more people. They are more popular than Brazilian Zoo, right? I think that we want to look a certain way that matches our identity. Just before we go into the functional, because I think we got to get to that point of talking about the functional, not so much of the aesthetics. There's a comment here by Sydney. And I think this kind of resonates with you, just from what I know about you. Uh, She says, I hear a lot of people saying it looks dangerous and anti-feminist with men controlling women. And I know this is something that you're very passionate about. And so what do you think that we can do in Zook as a community to improve that uh, feeling and make sure that everybody feels as, as equal as possible? I agree that it looks uh, dangerous if it's not executed correctly. So, and that's what we are trying to bring up here as well today to really uh, pay attention to the function, not only the aesthetics, but also not to overlook the aesthetic uh, altogether because it is important as well. But I think that when it's done with the right approach, right is not the Bad word, but I don't have another word in my mind now. But it doesn't need to look like the leader is controlling the follow. I think we are going in a good direction already now. We have a lot of um, females acting as leaders and males acting as follows. We are going in a good direction in this sense. I am a feminist. It's something that I talk about a lot, like in my personal social media and uh, in my personal life. I try to make my decisions and who I vote and what I do in my school and in my festival. Uh, This is something that really goes with my decisions in life as well. And I don't think it has to look like that. 
I think during a long time, there was like pitching methods that was like really focused on like rough leading and making sure that the person would execute exactly the movement that you wanted them to do. But I think that the technique evolved as well. And I don't have this reading when I see most of the leaders that I observe on the dance floor. Let's say, let's put the people who are like working professionally with the dance and teaching like you, Freddie, even Val and Leo, who are uh, part of the group as well. I don't have this reading when I see them leave. And I don't think it has to be this way. But it's something that if people are having this reading, it concerns me. So I don't have an answer. I might not have an answer right now. Like, what should we do right now? Because I never thought to think of that, that people could look on the lead and follow of Brazilian Zook and have this reading. But if it happens, then we really have to sit down and talk about it and see what we can do. Without discharacterizing, I uh, don't know if this word exists or if I just made it up. We understand. <laughs> yeah. But making sure that people will not read and think, oh, this is very sexist. Because I don't see the lead and follow of Brazilian Zoo being more sexist than the other dancers, the solo dancers. I don't, I, maybe I'm missing out on something or I'm too immersed in the process that I don't see that. But I really, like, right now I'm not seeing that uh, with most people who have the right approach regarding lead and follow, hmm. you know? Yeah, I, I think that in the last maybe five years or more, the, the couples that have taken the lead to, to spread and travel, they have been very modern couples, I think, and couples who really try to have a good balance, even trying to make sure that there's a, an equal balance on who speaks in class and who explains what part. You know, it makes no sense when you have a lead and a follow for the leader to explain everything about the follow, which is something that used to happen quite often. And the follower is just looking, you know, why doesn't the follower explain the follow's part? And things that were very, very, uh, I would say, uh, common in the past. Uh, so I think, yes, as in the dance, we need to continue and making sure that as much as we want to do all those beautiful and complex things, we need to make sure that we are still creating movements that enhance the femininity and the body and not make it look like submissive. For example, I love the Zook top couples nowadays and even a lot of the emerging couples because I see a lot of feminine power yeah. in everybody. I really, really see. I don't see like a leader who is like the boss who can do all these tricks with the follow. But I actually see some follow like killing it, killing it, killing it to the point that I'm almost like, oh, the leader has to just keep up, you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got a very interesting question here from Sydney asking the both of us, in our opinion, at what point does Brazilian Zug stop being culturally Brazilian? So what is the definition of culturally Brazilian first? Exactly. You so, know, what, yeah. What what would would it be culturally Brazilian? If if I if I'm to say what I think first is if we're talking about culturally Brazilian, I would probably say, well, 
if it moves too far away from what lambada was, from what Zouk traditional was, with the hips, with the waves, with the elasticity, with that connection and interaction, I think that takes away from what culturally Brazilian it would be. Because if we look at the old school, we're talking about lambada. And if it doesn't even resemble lambada anymore, then I think it's gone really, you know. Or Zouk traditional, at least. Exactly. At the least, that beat, that pulse and flow of the dance, you know, once you start dancing completely flat, I think it kind of loses that because Zouk has a heartbeat that you can yeah. feel in the dancer. Even if you turn off the music, you can feel that heartbeat of, of Zouk dancing, you know, as well as when you look at uh, West Coast Swing or when you look at Tango, they all have a strong pulse in the dance that you can tell. So removing that heartbeat, removing that hip movement and that happiness in the body and everything like that. There was a moment in Zouk that Zouk was very dark, you know, yeah. like, so... I think that, this, I think, it was going away. At this point, I think it was going away from Brazilian culture. Because that's not... Brazilian culture is very joyful. <laughs> yeah. So when we go, for example, we say something here in Finland, because there was a time that it was really popular, some songs that were really, like, what we call here, like, whale song. Because it really yeah, sounds just like too. a whale song. <laughs> and it brings a kind of a depressive mode to the parties. I'm not saying about, like, low energy. I think the parties need a little bit of these moments because people cannot stay in the hype all the time because people get tired. But I'm talking about really a depressive, like, really introspective mode that doesn't match with the social dancing, with the social interactor, interaction. And the Brazilian culture, because if you guys see Carnaval, if you guys see Samba no Pé, it's something that it's like joyful all the time. So I think if we start to break away from that a lot and things start to be really, as you said, like dark or really, I would say even if it gets some really, really futuristic, I, I see that it, it starts to... Or it starts to lose also the relations with the elements because I see a lot of the relations with the elements of the planet in, in Brazilian Zouk, you know? It, it is a lot related to the water, to the earth, to the air, to the fire. If we start to break away a lot of that as well and things become really very, like, athletic in a way as well, I think this also starts to go a little bit further from Brazilian culture. So no, since we're okay. in that topic of earth, water, wind, fire, and everything like that, where do you think is the line between going too far or as some people call here, I've heard people say, you know, when you go into the hippie shit mm. or keeping still, you know, Brazilian vibe, but exploring those cultural aspects. Even in Brazil, we have multiple religions and everything that comes into play. So... I think what we have to have in mind is that, for example, this relationship with the elements, it is building. This is not a new thing. Hmm. You know, because, for example, in Bahia, when people were dancing lambada in the stand, they had a lot of relationship with Yemanja, like the Orishas and things like this. And they brought this to lambada as well. A lot of them, they were actually part of temples uh, or, or spiritual 
temples, the head thing, the thing on the arm or the things. My family is from Umbanda, so yeah. in Spiritismo as well. So I've got those things. I just don't wear them. I kind of I understand the relationship, but I, I think a lot of people don't. And I think it's important to talk about it. Yeah. So this is very related to the Afro-Brazilian religion. So it is built in the development of the dance. It's not something that is arriving now. Maybe people are just talking more about that now. But we explore this at Renata's studio doing labs all the time. And with the history of the dance, when you study the history of the dance, you see the part that these elements play all the time. So I think when you start to put this hippie or its spiritual part of the dance or this um, mystical side of the dance, if they start to be the folk and then the dance is start to be a tool, like it starts to be in a secondary place, then I think it went too far. Mm. You know, because it's the opposite. The dance is the primary thing and everything else are tools that we use either to perfect our dance or to improve our connection or to work on whatever thing we want to work on inside our dance, right? So this is when we have Brazilian Zouk, for example, as the, the folk. When the other things start to be the folk and Brazilian Zouk start to be the, in secondary place, then I think things got inverted as uh, a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that's it. I think then there is when it went too far, you know? Now, um, going back a little bit on topic of what we're talking today, how important, if anything, if you think that is different or not, how important do we think that aesthetics and functional, what weight and which one is more important or is there one that is more important or not? I think it's like in Brazilian's book right now, the function is still more important because it's related to the safety. Yeah, I totally agree. I have some things that in my teaching I call functional styling. For example, after a simple turn, the follower can do a, a styling with the arm here, but it also helps her to have the arm out of the way and onto the leader's back of the shoulder. So I say, look, I'm not going to teach you a styling per se, but I'm going to teach you something that is actually functional for you to get the arm out of the way. And I call it functional styling. I'm not asking you to go crazy and start like whacking and, and, and going into voguing, but I'm asking you to just simply move your arm out of the way. Or if you come out and it's too slow to pull the hair out of your face or something like that, becomes a, I would say functional styling. But then there's the other extreme, which is like, can I have your hand? Because you're just styling and I can never get your hand. If you notice, I very rarely give lady styling classes or lady styling course. I hmm. always go for like follows technique. And then I can put some spices into that technique, you know. But I, I never enjoy very much to have this styling as a focus. Because I think if you already move in a beautiful way, sometimes you don't need to add anything to it. Unless it will have a function, as you said. And a lot of times there is. Even if the function is just to express what you are feeling at the moment or something that you heard. This is not something that you learn in my class to do certain arm and then you get to the dance floor and you will repeat that arm, you know? So this is something that I like in Brazilian Zouk as well and that I like that we as teachers, we talk about it. It's a meaningful movement as well. 
Yeah. You know, most of the movement. And then we say this a lot in class, me and Fred. Try and think about your movement meaning stuff. No, to you, it doesn't need to mean anything to anybody else, but it has to mean something to you. There's emotional quintin of their movement as well. And I think that goes to start to answer Jeremy Hale's question, which comes back to what is good aesthetics? So like for me, good aesthetics is something that is functional. So why do you stretch your body two ways? I'm not just asking you to do that because it looks beautiful, but because you're preparing the energy to maybe a turn, or why do you do a contrasil here? It's because you want to release. I, I don't, who likes to look like this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not a good look, but it's a functional aesthetic for something that you're preparing your body to do. So what you said, you and Fredje teach meaningful movement. And I think that's beautiful to say that this is good aesthetics. Yeah. When the aesthetics has a function or meaning or an emotion or even a persona, a character. For example, when you're doing a show, you need the aesthetics to fit the character and the costume or even the stage. If you have like a stage where you are in a war or something like that. I agree with everything else that you said, but I think for me personally, Andresa, and I, and I understand that aesthetically, and beautiful is not the same for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's not something that is universal. But uh, I think for me, there's a lot to do with cleanness as well. I need to be able to read the movement from beginning to end, like to read what's going on. And this is one of the biggest critiques that I had to my own dancing. For example, when I watch my dancing, okay, I've got a short cut here with his head or with his leg. You know, it had to have a beginning, a very clear way through and an ending. So this is something that speaks a lot to me aesthetically in a movement, mm. uh, combined with everything else that Alison said, the meaning, the emotional content and the function that movement is uh, for me. And we, we don't even often talk about it, but that I think brings to the point where every movement has a story to tell. Yes. So you need to have an introduction to the movement and then the entrance to the movement, then the cherry on the cake, the movement, and then how you wrap that up into the next transition moment, wherever you're going. So I think that's, that's very cool that you're saying that. Yeah. Um, the the yeah. phases of a movement. Yeah. I, I personally, for example, prefer to do less quantity patterns or movements in a dance and be able to have more time to execute them all and make them really clean than to do a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff in a way that people cannot read it very well. And I cannot really feel all the movement from the beginning to the end. You know, I pass them through. I pass through them so quickly that I don't even enjoy. It's something like, um, that's something that is really important to me. Oh, not you, you took him out of the cage. You let him out. We need some work there. Guys, this, this guy is he, working so much in our online content. He has hours and hours of recording yeah. to edit. So that's why he's not here most of the time. Because sometimes weekends are the time that he has to do this editing on videos that we record during the week. But he came out. <laughs> came out to play. <laughs> Sit for a little bit. So just to see what's going on here. 
let's go into the functional part uh, of this topic. So what to you guys, now that you have the both of you there, what to you guys is like the basis of functionality in movement for, for Zoom dancing that you see that is not present in most places? What's missing in the Zook community? I mean, what do you think is missing in terms of functionality for movement, especially when the aesthetics is the priority? What's missing? What's the gap there? I think there is the mentality a little bit missing that the movement has to be able to be performed by the biggest number of different bodies possible, right? So it has to be accessible. They have to think about that. Because we, we want more and more people dancing. I think sometimes people don't think about that because we in Zoom started doing these crazy things with our bodies, like turning like this, upside down, things like that. We get really excited with that. And then we start to develop and going crazy. And then we have to sometimes take a step back and see, okay, can everybody who comes to my class do this in a safe way? Do I have the knowledge to explain to them how to do this in a safe way. Do I need to have two different versions of these same movements, the one that I'm going to use on stage or on demonstrations because my body is trained and I do this eight hours a day in a version that I'm teaching class for people who come from the office where they were sitting down for eight hours and they will still be able to perform and have the same fun. So I think we have sometimes to take a step back when we are developing movements and techniques and think about that. I think there's a good movement now that a lot of uh, people trying to understand a little bit more how the body works in our organic way to apply yeah. this to the movements in Brazilian Zoop. And I think this is a good thing. We just cannot forget about being dancers and become like doctors because we are still dancers after all and we had to also think about that a lot of people who come to your class don't want to learn about anatomy they don't want to mm. lecture about anatomy i was gonna add that even if you are a doctor but you dance it's not the place to apply what you know as a doctor in, in, in a class you use the knowledge but you're not going to be the doctor instead of the dance teacher yeah but i'm thinking yes yeah, no, I'm because I've been to some classes where I feel like, me. okay, I get how important it is to understand all those muscles. But to be honest, I don't know how to access them. Exactly. You know? So I, for example, when I started dancing, I had sticking out lats. My lats would yeah. stick out a lot on my back and I, I didn't have a flat back. And my tumble teacher was like, oh, you got to fix lats. You got to fix the lats because they're out and... I'm like, I have no idea how to do it. So it took me months and months and months of pushing myself against the wall to engage my lats under my shoulder to correct the wings on my lats. Uh, and nowadays, what I do when I see that a student has that, I just tell them, look, you need to do this and this and this. But put your hand on my back. Now, feel what I'm doing here and try to copy that same articulation and same activation that I'm trying to do here in my body and see if that works for you. Because I found that putting someone's hand in my body and say, here, do you see, when you tense, now you're relaxed. This is what I'm talking about. For me, at least as a teacher, it helps me way more than to talk about a very specific muscle that I want everybody to do. I prefer to go on and touch everybody because I feel like that's more effective. And most of people are there for fun, so they don't want to be lectured. 
So mm. but we had to get this knowledge, of course, as better as we can, because we are dealing with people's body, but in, in, in time to pass it forward, we had to be careful, because if it starts to be really deep and dense into this topic and knowledge, then sometimes it already starts to go out from what the person in class is looking for. Something. Yes, yes, please, Freddy. So, uh, I think that as we are talking a lot about um, developer or teacher's perspective, that when we are doing something, we need to care about the thing. I think one very important thing is that, especially now that this is a Zoom nerd meeting, right? And Zook nerd thing is something that is getting really strong, I feel. I think there is a, a, a risk that we all need to be careful, especially the ones that really identify themselves as nerds, that you shouldn't use the nerd concept to complicate, but to be a, a decryptor, you know? You get what is complicated, you break them down, you make this easier, more accessible, because... Sometimes I feel a little that things are easy and people complicate way too much and then suddenly it becomes hard. So as a developer, you're not going to get something to complicate. You're going to get whatever is complicated to make it simple. And what is simple, you keep it simple. There is no point of complicating what is simple. So I think this is one concern because the more we keep it simple, more accessible we make this. And then once it's more accessible, more people understand, more people can do things correctly in a way that we're going to bring up safety, we're going to bring joy, we're going to bring understanding, we're going to bring a lot of other things. I think also from a student or just a dancer perspective, we always as dancers or, or, or dancers that are learning, especially when starting, we always get into the race of being an advanced dancer. Always, I think everyone got this feeling, even if you are very, you have a very strong self-control that no, I'm not, I don't want to be advanced so soon. But inside, there is a feeling of running to get the cool stuff, you know, that do those nice movements that everybody does and it's impressive and you want you one of the dancers that can make it. But running the beginner's level, running the fundamentals is the worst thing one dancer can do because that's the moment when we start understanding and getting introduction of every single thing that is going to be more complicated, but because you spend the time needed in the beginning, when you get to the complicated part, you don't need to focus on the things you would focus in the beginning. You can focus on the other things with, because the, those things you got in the fundamentals are automatic in your body. It's organic. It's part of you already. You don't need to train them anymore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think this is like the, the, the two sides that you're talking about. I think this is very important to get to this result because everything we are saying here, I don't see a formula that of like, do this and you have that. I think it's a process, right? You get to this process and if you follow this order that many of us, many people before us already tried, made mistakes, got to wrong results, and we've been sharing to each other like, if you go this way, you're going to get this, man. If you go this way, people are going to think that. If you say move this way, they understand that way. So we try to get the shortcut to make everyone dances better, quicker. But always try to keep this accessibility, making everything simple. And I think that's the main goal, for example, to look at other resources to improve your dance. For example, to have a ballet class 
or to have a physiotherapist or a doctor or a spine surgeon or whatever, anybody to come and educate dancers and educate, educate instructors is totally necessary. But at the same time, that has to be used, like Freddie said, as a decryptor, as a way to make people understand the whys of the do's and the don'ts. But we need to make sure that it doesn't scare people away and go like, oh my God, if I don't understand all the muscles in my spine and my neck, that means I can't yeah. safely dance Zook? Exactly. Is, is, that, is that the reality here? Because I'm not going to study my anatomy, so I just should quit Zook then. <laughs> a student doesn't need to know the name of any vertebra, the name of any nerve, the name of anything, because they could go to a med school. They went to a dance class. It's good that you understand about all those things to make them move in a way that is safe. But you don't need to make them know all this stuff. Mm. Unless, of course, you are, for example, in the Zook Lounge, the, the event that we have a nerd room. Okay, that's the audience that you can go yeah. really deep into the nerd thing. Because then we, you can talk in that language. They are there for that. Yeah, for example, if there is a workshop in anatomy, a workshop in muscles and how to do exercises to improve your posture or safety on your neck. And I think this is totally necessary even comparing like to 10 years ago when there were 10 or maybe more years ago when there was no talk about it so yeah. i think it's very important for us to do it but also in a way that we're making it easier for people yeah when we when it's time to pass the information forward we have to pass it in form of safe technique not like an anatomy class or anything like that Un unless the audience is specifically there for yeah. them. So I think it's important maybe for us to express here that it's very valuable, but in a normal sub class, it shouldn't take most of the, the time in the class. Yeah. Exactly. Because one more time, if you go deep into the nerd content, very specific things, start taking the accessibility of the class because your niche start like getting really narrow and then some people are going to start thinking about the, the honey that they need to buy in the grocery store while you're speaking. Like they, they don't have more oats anymore. And then we say, let's go with the music. Then they get back to the class. Yeah. Well, as an experienced teacher, you can kind of see when the students start fading away and you're like, okay, let's play something. Because yeah. Yeah. we are very passionate about this, but not everybody is. So we can talk for hours about this and we're still going to be like super bright awake until 5 a.m. But some of these students, like you mentioned, they're there to relax and to, to enjoy and have fun and not to go that deep into those studies. But yeah, something that I've always used in my classes was what I learned from injuries. So anytime I injure myself or something happens and I go to the physio or to do treatments and things like that, they tell me, oh, you know, you guys need to work on this because... Uh, and I also always take videos of dance to my doctors and say, hey, this is what I do. Just so you know, this is crazy. I know you haven't seen this before, but how do I prepare my body to, to do this better? And most importantly, how do I understand how to, to make other bodies do this in a very safe and sustainable way? And that's something that I was talking about yesterday in a live that I did for the Zoop Teleton, where I talked about the deep knowledge and shallow knowledge. Most of the students are only there for shallow knowledge. They're there to learn enough to have fun. But then there's the niche group that wants to have the deep knowledge. The people who 
want to go to a weekender with Fred and Andresa and understand how to do the basic step in eight hours, because it can take a way longer than that, <laughs> you know? So that's a niche group. I think that's a matter of information. I think that the basic step of Zook, like the basic step forward and backward with the hip motion is one of the hardest yeah. things to teach in Brazilian Zook. Oh, it really ignored a lot of things in the way. Really, it's one of the hardest things to teach. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I, I would say that it's even hard to perform because you can even teach the head understand, but to make the body perform the, the movement the, with all the single details it involves, uh, it's a different story. Because it is really hard. There are a lot of parts of the body that are working independently with different controls, different things, and it's just a basic step. But... Of course, everybody got the big step once they walk forward and backward, and that's it. Let's go for the good stuff. Yeah. And it's funny because we do exactly the same thing as you, Alison. We have our osteopath that um, takes care of us, <laughs> and uh, we go there to get the body pics every once in a while. There was a time that we were going quite often, uh, and we are traveling like crazy, and our sitting in the plane and things like that. And we always take as well like the videos for her and show and ask if it can be related to any pain that we might be feeling, like you think it can be from this and that, and then sometimes we even show to her in the office how the movement is performed, what we do, and then she also guides us. And we started uh, working with her when she started to write her book, and we started to exchange a lot of information, and this helped us a lot in developing many, many things in our technique clean up and reveal a lot of things that we were using. And it was really interesting to have this work done with her. And it was amazing to see how we have to be revisiting our techniques all the time. And we learn, as you said, from injuries a lot as well. Mm -hmm. And then we can help our students to say, okay, don't go this way. <laughs> I injured myself, so you don't have to. <laughs> exactly. And We've suffered, so we can save you. <laughs> exactly. So we always learn, right, from anything that happens. And this is very important to be revisiting this all the time as well in the techniques and see how to better yeah. correct things that may cause injury. If you look at the comments, it looks like there is a demand for an eight hours boot camp on Paso Basico with Fred and Andresa. So you guys are going to have to make that one day. <laughs> Man, I can, with basic steps, I can make a week. Okay. Guys, don't tempt Freddy. Don't tempt him. He'll, don't have <laughs> Yeah, we have something kind of similar we do every year with the day immersion for Grand Year. Yeah. Five days, six hours a day of training. And it call, it's called immersion, uh, not only because of the number of hours, but also because how deep we go into everything. But that's the thing, is like people are here for that. People are here yeah. in this immersion for grants to go deep. So we are not afraid of going deep. Yeah. It's different from just a regular workshop or a regular class that we have to keep the balance of the fun and relaxing the mind and listening to the body and the nerd talk. Is the immersion is nerd talk all the way. <laughs> you already pre-select and say, hey, only attend this course if you're really into the deep, deep knowledge. And if you don't mind spending an hour on just thinking about the ball of your foot. Yeah, it's not uh, something that's going to be theory. There is a lot of movement. We are moving all yeah. the time, but it's 
a lot of uh, understanding the structure, the reasons why, because everything is possible, but what is appropriated? Because some things are possible, but should I do it? And then if I shouldn't, why I shouldn't, you know? Let's ask everybody now, as we're soon to wrap up, please put down your questions if you have any questions to ask for the topic of today. But I just read something here that prompted me to ask a few things for everybody, but also for us. What are the crises that we have already heard of in, in Zook? We have the basic step crisis. We have the lateral crisis. We get a lot of lateral crisis. So yeah, tell us if you have any questions in the comments, but also tell us what kind of crisis have you had and how did it happen? It was interesting because there was a student that I taught a private lesson with. And on that day, she was like, oh my God, I finally understand what a lateral crisis is because I feel like I'm having it right now. Yesterday, I was feeling like I got it. I did all the workshops and all my lateral was like perfect. And now after your lesson, I feel like I've got so much to work on. And I even apologize and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. But hopefully, whenever we get to those crises, it's kind of like uh, there's an animal, a sh shell, fish animal or something, but there's an animal in the water, in the sea, that as they grow, they have to grow out of their skin, so then a new skin comes on. What What's that, guys? Do you know that? It's, God, I really don't like seafood or anything, so I don't even know the names. Lagosta. No, lagosta. Lagosta, lagosta. Lobster. Lobster, as it grows, it changes skin because it grows bigger than the skin or something like that, isn't it? Somebody's going to tell us in the comments, but growth sometimes is uncomfortable. And when you hit a crisis, as long as you have a positive way to think about it, and it helps also to have someone to guide you and mentor you through that crisis to actually tell you, hey, this is not a step back, but this is actually a step forward. And you know, to understand that. And it's good that people know that we have those crises all the time as well. Yeah. Because sometimes people think it's all glamour and we go on stage all confident and everything. <laughs> like, oh yeah, we have these crises all the time. I, I was <laughs> right now, just before the word stopped, I was in a contraction press. I was like, oh my God, my contractions are so deep. Like I'm contracting too deep. I'm crushing too much. I had to keep everything higher and then it started to really pay attention to that. And then it was like, I really had to get it right. And then we are all the time like with this little annoying little you know, <laughs> crisis going on. There is exactly. a, sometimes ignorance is a bliss. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's that thing. The more you know, more you understand how much you don't know. And yeah. the more you want to know what you don't know, it gets worse man. because you start having too many references about thing, how things work. And then one single thing gets out of the way, you, you're already like, what? Why did I fail there? But it's something that maybe 80% of people don't even see. But you saw, and that's the, the thing. That's what matters. You saw it, and now you cannot deal with that. It's terrible because there is one thing that happens with our body. It's like this. Our body is always trying to hack the system. Mm -hmm. What do I mean by that? For example, a lot of people talk about lateral crisis. I saw in the comments some people talking about lateral too. When you go to do a lateral, you need to engage your core. You need to control the weight shift. 
you need to use the tendons because you need to take the heel out of the floor. I mean, like the following what I'm talking about because the comment I think came from a girl. So you need to control all these things. You need to uh, keep the space between the feet. You need to keep all these things. You still need to keep the energy from your weight up going up, from the weight down going down. So you are grounding, but you are also looking tall. You need to do all this stuff at the same time. But then when you turn off all this awareness and just go, you start okay. And then little by little, your body starts relaxing everything. In the end, you're just walking two steps there, two steps here. And then you're doing like that. So the body all the time is hacking the system to go for what is more comfortable. Because that way you don't need any tone in the muscle. You don't need to hold anything. You just go. So it's that thing. The body is trying to make you move with less effort possible. Of course, because that's the way we really should do things. But when you are dancing, you need to have a whole different tone in your muscles because the movement is changing all the time. Every time something comes and take it to a different direction, different way, and then you need to engage another part of the body and things go. So it's a constant change. That's why we need to practice a lot like crazy. So it becomes part of the body. And then we tend to keep up the automatic with the body working uh, in the proper way for a longer time. I don't know if I did myself very clear. <laughs> I, I understood because I, I struggle yeah. with that too. <laughs> yeah. Now, maybe last question because of what you said, it prompted me to a question here for us. And it, I think it's going to help the people who is watching as well because there's some teachers here in the room as well. What are the struggles for you as a student for everybody watching, and for us as teachers to teach online. Because there's somebody who said here, oh, dancing on the carpet crisis or dancing at home crisis, because it's so hard to learn from videos and things like that. So as teachers, I have struggled to not being able to give the person by touching and understanding what I want them to do. That to me is a massive struggle. What about for you guys? Yeah, for me, same. not being able to touch the person, yeah, to get here and like really show what I mean. This, this is a hard part. And how about for you guys that are watching and also the other teachers, because we have multiple teachers here in the room. So we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, uh, also, I think that the first one is not being able to look closely, especially me, blind as I am. So seeing people that tiny little windows that zoom sometimes. Oh my God, I wish I could go closer and see. But it's still doable. I think also another thing is as for us, people who teach like us, the two of us and you, we like to talk a lot as well. We, we give a lot of detail and information. We have to be a little bit careful with that because I think people don't have the same focus when they are at home learning from online classes sure. than they have at the actual class. So we... we it, get to the risk of being tiring for them. Yeah. So the pace of the explanation, we felt that it had to be a little bit different. The, the pace of the information had to be a little bit faster. Yeah, I think yeah, the, there was being a massive struggle on our skills. We thought we knew how to teach and then this trouble and we're like... You know what I think it's hard for us when we want to watch the studio and then to give a proper feedback we can never talk about rhythm because this delay yeah. kills. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, you're off time. No, not. Oh, shit. 
Yeah. You have to send me a video because the, the Zoom or any kind of online platform that I've used, there is a delay. There's always a delay, a minimum delay or a big delay. And depends on the connection. Even if you have the best connection, maybe there's a storm and just like the, the connection is just, is just not good. So Emily's saying it's hard that she gets feedback on how it looks, but not how it feels. And then she struggles because she doesn't get to try things with a partner. But then Kelly's saying, I love that I can only depend on myself and only blame myself for any mistakes, not the partner. <laughs> so that that's a good thing, I guess. I think people who are alone and involved can use this as a very good opportunity to work on their own dancing. Yeah. Because then if you are in, in control of your movement, when you go and dance with a par partner, everything is easier. I think the, the online classes, they have, well, when we put side by side, in-person classes and online classes, they all have their ups and downs. But I think in the online classes, there is one positive thing that uh, you can work on things sometimes more specifically that in a group class you wouldn't. Because although sometimes we are giving a class for a group of people, you are an individual alone in a place. So you are not with others. So as teachers, we don't have that management of the whole crowd being connected to the class and connected to each other. Changing yeah, partner. Changing partner, all this stuff. No, it's basically one private class, but to a lot of people at the same time. Kind of like that. So uh, I think the online class has some benefits that it was kind of ignored or just not known before. It's really helpful in, in a lot of things. Uh, I know a lot of people that got better in a lot of uh, details and a lot of aspects uh, because of the online classes. And they are using as a tool to enrich the dance that, of course, when we are able to dance together one more time, they can use all of these things and keep making use of both tools. Yeah. Totally. And I, I think that as we always reinforce and Christian is saying here, we love solo work. Solo work is so important. And I am big into 50% of your training should be solo. And even in my private lessons, the student will go, oh, can you try it with me? I'm like, no, you do it first. Once I see you do it first, I'll try with you because there's no point. I'm going to help you. You're going to compensate. And you show me that you can do it alone. Because if you can't do it alone, in my opinion, you just don't know it. And the other thing about the online classes also is that, man, when on any decade or year, did you have access to so many instructors at the same time online people that you wouldn't see if you didn't travel miles and spend thousands of dollars on flights accommodations visa and things like that and now you're having them in your couch god it's, it's even great for us because we get to also attend some of the online events and we are still learning and seeing what everybody else is doing and we don't even have to go to the airport <laughs> i'm loving it what walking to the airport is really good. I'm loving this going airport part. I'm really like you could into places. I'm here for the airport part. Yeah, I do miss the travels. I do miss being in person and going to parties. I, I'm not a show person, but I, I even missing that aspect of doing a show and being nervous and doing the makeup and doing all of those things. It's part of our life, so I do miss it. But God, it's good. To not have to travel. Yeah. <laughs> education is more accessible. Like, yeah, for sure. Now you have, this is a blessing. Because when I started dancing, 
Facebook, especially, there was nothing online. Online. Not like, even YouTube video. No. We have the information in different schools from other people. Well, we, we used to watch a little bit of West Coast Swing videos just to get inspiration for creating something, but there was nothing about Zook. And I just see that once you start dancing Zook now, there are so many tools available, so many classes available, so many things available online that just to get started. And of course, after you need to get to, to some real classes uh, in person to develop and feel how things are, but you already have the whole education system there. This is amazing. I think we all agree here Fred's age is being revealed. I'm not sure how. Oh, yeah, because of the UT. Because of the UT. I am Fred. You threw yourself under the bus now. But it's okay. You don't look it. You don't look it. You look very young. That's what meant. So, yeah, guys, take advantage of this time. This is, I don't know if it's right to say it, but a blessing and a curse. We're all having to be online all the time, which kind of kills me, you know, like I'm even struggling to reply to messages and everything because I'm doing so much work online, online, online. I'm sure you guys are doing too, that I struggle to keep up because once I do what I have to do, I run away from my computer. I've actually had to enforce some rules in myself, like no computer, iPad or phone in bed. Because okay. I was working so much from my bed, like waking up and already doing... And then going to bed and like da, 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 and it's just not right. You know, we have to look after ourselves. We have to fill up our cup and make sure that we are delivering the best we can for everybody who is out there wanting to learn from us. And also, yeah. we, we want to continue learning too, because we love learning. And guys, talking about running the computer, I ran off the computer, but I need to go back. All right, we have to wrap today as well because it's quite late for you guys as well i just want to say here i miss you guys fred and andres i miss everybody here in the comments christina yeah, miss you. you we yeah. miss you too christina we miss all of you guys we miss all this gathering that we used to have my goodness but it's good that i can stay connected on yeah. social media as well so, all right everybody yeah. so please Keep the talk in the group. The group is going really well. I think everybody's feeling the one thing that we wanted to, everybody to feel safe. Feel safe to post and ask and express your opinions. There are no dumb questions. There are no beginner questions of, of any sort. And even if you think, oh, it's not Zook related. Well, is it learning related? Is it like emotionally related? We're here for that, okay? So it's a Zook Nerds group, but we're here to talk about anything that helps your dance life and journey improve? The beginner question is going to be probably the question that we're going to spend a longer time. Most time. Yes. Because the beginning is the massive content of the, the beginner's levels. It's a pyramid. The foundation is down here and then it gets like this. So for us to just end like this, I don't know. I feel like almost in dance, maybe we can talk about this another day. But the pyramid in dance goes like this, and then like this. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Once it's like the awesome. yeah. yeah. And I think the shape also changes a little bit on the leader side and the following side. That's true. I normally, I don't know if you agree with me, with me but I normally say that the leaders struggle and they start more than the followers, but yeah. then it reverses. Beginner level for leaders is like beginner's hell for leaders. And for the followers, it's, it's a little bit, okay, 
all right but then after things change because then for the followers later they have to try to do magic and understand what's going on in the mind of this crazy leader and predict the future and something like that and after the beginner's hell the hell thing is not so far away because although the focus go a lot on the followers because they start using different axes and all the stuff they must know how to lead to get the right momentum of transition. Otherwise, the followers will know everything, but will never be able to perform it because the leader never make it in the correct timing or the correct moment. And then gets all this that discomfort, you know, in dancing and all this. Stuff. Right. So, thank you guys for joining, Vlad and Andresa. Thank you all, everybody here in the comments. It's been lovely. I evaded the light. Thank you so much. And please, let's keep talking in the group. Post your comments, your questions, and anything there. And we'll see you next Sunday. Thank you, everybody. See you guys next time. All right. So thanks, everybody. So I'm going to go off Facebook here. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, beijos. Beijos.